Hi, my name is Joe Jackson. I'm a journalist, author, interviewer and broadcaster. I also happen to be a lifelong fan of rock and pop music who, at the age of 14 or so, when I was too young to go see one of my favourite bands, The Animals, when they played in our little village Glasthoo on the south side of Dublin, I actually sat on a wall near the venue listening to the muffled sound of the show. But as soon as they began to play House of the Rising Sun, a song I'd loved since it was released a year or so earlier, something told me I had to get closer to that sound. So I wrenched a ventilation cover off one of the walls of the venue, climbed inside the ducting and crawled down until I reached my goal and got not only thrillingly closer to the music, but also to a spot where I could see the band. Childhood memories of music don't get no better than that. In fact, I often wonder if that was the day I began the journey that later in life led to me needing to get closer to my music heroes in the sense that interviewing one, Leonard Cohn, made me feel so transcendent I felt I had to track down more of my heroes to talk with. I've published three books, one co-written with the late Nancy Griffith, and six or so e-books, all of which tell the tale of that journey. I've also put many of the articles on my website, joejacksoninterviewer.com. But in this podcast, which is part of a series I call Singles, because they run for roughly five minutes, I have a clip of Mike Love and I talking about a song and album that came out around the same time I climbed inside that ducting to get closer to the animals. The single was Good Vibrations, the album Pet Sounds. The interview itself was done backstage at a Beach Boys gig in upstate New York in 1989. And as you'll hear from the last section in particular, I had fun, 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 albeit fractious at times, with Mr. Mike Love. Enjoy. When Brian went on to uh, yeah. the, the Pet Sounds Good Vibrations phase, did you say don't fuck around with the, the format of fun, fun, fun? No, I didn't say that. <laughs> no? <laughs> you, were you not afraid? No, that Good Vibrations. That I wrote lose. the words of Good Vibrations. All I said was that the Good Vibrations was a departure, and I was very ethereal and somewhat strange uh, departure musically. Was the group so, not afraid they'd lose the original uh, following if they no, went? Got nobody's to. ever afraid of anything. But the, Wow. Well, we proved it with a couple albums, you know. I mean, we did things that were completely uncommercial and completely right. changed change from one to the other. That's because Gen Brian's a Gemini. But anyway, uh, I just part? simply said on Good Vibrations that I thought the words should connect with something that, that is conceptually uh, relatable to by masses of people, which Good Vibrations, if you hear the theremin part and the harmonics and it's very ethereal so but the music it is. yes so the words it has to is, be. i'm picking up a good vibration she's giving me excitation so it's boy girl in the words yeah even though the other part of it is very avant ethereal for its time but what about the uh the pet sounds album were you not critical of that saying it was no, brian's no, ego I, music capital records was were they mm -hmm. did nobody in the band say that was just brian's ego music no i don't think so no complaints that that at that point it was mostly musicians who played and no, it was great because we were on tour, making came a back. lot of money. We'd come back and you'd have some great songs ready. To just dub your voices on? Yeah, we we didn't, well, it's that's what we do technically, yeah, but we we did like 30 takes and wouldn't it be nice to get it right? So we, a we meticulous were pretty, yeah, very meticulous. Uh, construction. You hear the harmonies, it's better than anybody in the business when it comes to execution on those records. But did anyone in the band feel this should be us playing too? I mean, there is that. I think there is an emotional thing about if you're a musician, think that you can play. And Carl would play in a lot of the sessions when he was available. Uh, right. 
I don't play anything right, yeah. noteworthy, so I, I didn't care about that. But I, I like to write lyrics and stuff, and conceptually, I've been involved with some very big hits and stuff. So is that that is that another myth that's, that that the Beach Boys kind of very, musically were, were really only uh, Brian's backup vocalist from that point onwards, or more often that? Kinda, that would be fair to say. And nobody objects to that role. No, because he was a music, gifted musical genius. Nobody else was. To that to that degree in the band. No, nobody else in the band right. had, had that kind of vision mm. musically. Yeah, exactly. Ability. Right. Mm. So you were all happy to kind of contribute yeah. on an artistic level to that concept. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So no, I just said it was it created bad blood. Uh, no, I think what the bad blood came from is because there are certain people involved in Brian's life who were into things like heroin and in a lot of acid, and Brian got completely out there. And that was a drag because then he got to the point where he was not able to function. Catatonic. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. And, so, and, not, and, it, and it, it severely impaired his ability to, to be as creative in a commercial sense that he once was. He was in a, he was still creative in an abstract, incoherent way, which let him be accessible to yeah, the general public. Well, he couldn't finish anything he started. And so that was not he good. had a, the first signs of his uh, psychological disorder came like a couple of months after the uh, involvement in drugs. Would you relate both? No, it was before that. It was before. Oh, was yeah, it not because just... he was he was not he was not secure being on the road away from his home. He was like very vulnerable, insecure, and he liked the stability or the security of being at home. Right. And he was also wanting to do his music. He was like unfolding all his musical talent. He was on the road. He couldn't because we were doing constantly traveling and performing. So he felt torn in terms of his musical development and insecure because he's away from home, his girlfriend, whatever. And so that that's do you not think the drugs exas can exacerbate any yeah, kind of uh, mental Definitely. turmoil? Oh, absolutely. I think it did with him. Oh, absolutely. And as he went further, no. Around. What it did is it pushed him from functional to dysfunctional psychotic behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Because as the doctor once explained to me, is that there are alcoholics who do fine if they don't drink, but if they drink, they, it screws them up. They can't function. Uh, a lot of people can't. And there are drugaholics too. Some people can take certain kinds of drugs and function okay, or, or function once they, they're past whatever episode they're going through. And other people, it, it makes it pushes them into some area of of uh, thinking that that's uh, pretty aberrational and that's right. Brian he was real sensitive that way and I think the drugs pushed him over the line so there are some people to whom it's lethal to start yeah. dealing with those kind of demons right and since you can't you can't tell in advance of it that's why I've, I've, I was always categorically against drugs not, not from a puritanical standpoint from a standpoint of danger yeah exactly were they did you ever try them what drugs no not like uh, cocaine and acid stuff, no. No? Or heroin, no, never. You were, you were afraid, you, you said somewhere that you, you you have an addictive personality where you were afraid Me? that, yeah? I don't think I said that. There's no, another one of these erroneous comments. I think comments Brian has an addictive personality. I'm not sure if I do, but if I do, I'm, I've addicted myself to meditation, transcendental meditation. I've been doing that for 20 years, so I meditate every day, twice a day. That's a positive, positive, uh, you know, uh, use of time makes the mind more orderly and it's good for your health. Uh, okay, what? I know that's hard 
for an Irish person to understand. It's grasping at something so intangible. No, no, that's not. No, no, no. Come on, we had James Joyce. Oh, that's he true. grasped intangibles and he shaped intangibles. Oh, okay, very good. <laughs> yeah, some people say touche there. Really? I know. I know. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Uh, Hi, Joe Jackson here again. I thank you for listening to this edition of the Joe Jackson Interviews podcast. And don't forget, you can read some of the articles, such as my print interview with Mike Love, on my website, joejacksoninterviewer.com. And if by chance you'd like to gain access to the full tape of that interview, or any of my interviews, you can contact me via the website.